This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 414, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. This Christmas, and as we trim the tree, how much fun it's gonna be together. This Christmas, fireside is burning Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 414. I'm Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And Paul Montgomery. Ho, ho, ho. Green giant. (laughs) I don't know why I did that. (laughs) That is not seasonal at all. Vegetables. (laughs) Vegetables, which have been rendered unseasonal by a freezing process. Anyway, we are iFanboy. We like comics and pedantry. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks the one that they... Thought was the best they read that week. They call it the pick of the week. And we talk about that on this show along with other books from the week that we have something to say about. And uh, any other kind of things we can come up with. Uh, sometimes we talk about a book of the month. Sometimes we don't even know what that's going to be. That's new. Before we get going, uh, there will be spoilers in the stuff that we're talking about. So if you haven't read the books, uh, come back afterwards or uh, forge ahead boldly. Whichever way you'd like to go with that it's totally fine by us. But you just need to understand how this works because we don't want to be held responsible. Connor, yep. you had the pick. Black Science, number one, from Image, Image Comics. Rick Remender, Mateo Scalera, Dean White is the pick of the week. And Rick Remender's uh, been one of our favorite writers for a while. He's been one of the sort of industry-leading writers for a while in, the, uh, in that he's doing a lot of big Marvel books. And he did the Uncanny X-Force. He's doing Captain America. and uh, But he really... Became one of our favorite writers way back doing Fear Agent for Dark Horse and for Image um, many, many years ago. His his sort of sci-fi pulp story of uh, Heath Houston's uh, doomed life. And uh, Black Science number one is is Remender's – it feels like his return to that sort of – his roots. Not And it's not in that it's a story exactly like Fear Agent. It's not, but it feels very much in that vein and uh, just wacky fun. But I'm going to get to the story in a minute. First, I want to talk about Mateo Scalera who – Worked with Remender on Secret Avengers previously, and I thought this this issue particularly was a uh, like a Mateo Scalera showcase. Yeah, and Dean Dean, and White, Dean as well. White showcase too. Yes, I think the art was wonderful. One of the things that Scalera did on Secret Avengers and in his many appearances on the weekly sketch feature on the website was he had a very sort of sketchy line, very sort of sketchy art style. But here it's much more cleaned up, um, and the combination of the Dean White's pen, uh, colors. It's just I thought this was just a gorgeous, gorgeous book. Um, you know, even without the story, I thought it was just wonderful to look at. You're correct. It seems like uh, old uh, sci-fi, fifty sci-fi pinup pages. Yeah, it, it, or even like like Irwin Allen kind of science fiction. I don't know, just like because like yeah. the trans-dimensional kind of stuff, and just you know, like this guy hazarding into like from set piece to set piece, featuring you know these these frog people with with lances and stuff, and the giant bullfrog you know creatures, and it's just I don't know, it's a trip. Yeah, it's just it's it's the furtherance of Rick Remender wishing he could work with Wally Wood. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that was you know, wow. This is I mean it's it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I mean it's it's hardly there's hardly anything to say. But one of the things is if you look, um, a lot of the color work um, seems to work without 
without really dealing with the outlines of things. If you look at sort of any of the side shots of their like red space helmets, like yes. it's hard to sort of pick out the lines, which feels uh, at the same time more realistic because real life doesn't have outlines, but also um, they're ex- expressionistic as well. A little bit painterly uh, without being yeah. a painted comic, uh, which I thought was one of the things. I thought I felt like the texture was very different from that, what we get from Scalera's work normally. I think that one of the things that they're hitting here is this sort of line of we used to we used to look at comics and go oh this is this looks like a painted comic and this looks like a, a regular comic you know but this is sort of it's blurring those lines yeah uh, ironically uh figuratively and literally more of that um, and, I, and I think later on i think it's an i think it's a really nice balance yeah um that that, that, that they've achieved and and uh I mean, yeah i mean this is as good looking a book as i have read and i don't know how long you guys turned uh, on by the fish lady no. No? Okay. Nope. Me, no. me neither. I'm fine with saying that. I'm yeah, not, I don't feel like <laughs> me it's neither. specious to say. Yeah, it was just, you know, for anybody listening, maybe, I so they wouldn't feel alone. But no, I didn't. <laughs> okay, good. I wasn't. Um, are, so, we sh- are we shaming people who were turned over? No, no, no. No, no, I was just you saying, can. if you're out there. There's nothing wrong with that. We understand, oh. but we didn't. You know, less competition for you if you are. That's that's really all there is to Comics, that. Uh, the, the look is a lot about light um, and shadow instead of you know, line. And I was just trying to think like, is it, is it about form? But I think it's about light. It's like crackling blue energy, pink energy. Um, so talking about the fish lady. No. Yeah. yeah, Her too. If you are though, (laughs) could you talk slower? (laughs) So let's talk about the story. It's uh, Grant McKay. He's the name. That's the name of the the main character, right? Grant McKay. That's what it is. Uh, He is a sort of science explorer. And as Paul mentioned earlier, maybe it was Josh, he, he's, this issue, he sort of bounces from set piece to set piece. That was me. And it's very sort of seat of your pants. It's, sort of, it's very much in the vein of, say, the opening of Raiders of the Lost Ark where you know, Indiana Jones is in the middle of a mission and it's just very like lots of running from danger. And that's sort of, it feels like that through this whole issue where he's, he's going from danger to danger and you're not quite sure what's going on, but you're learning as you go and you're sort of flying by the seat of your pants. And it's very exciting and fun. And I, and I don't feel, and I wouldn't say I have 100% of a grip on, on the ins and outs of what's happening, but it seems like this guy, Grant McKay, is using the quote-unquote black science of the title to bounce around um, and do un, forbid, you know, engage in forbidden science. And uh, it's just, it was fun. It was a fun action set piece. It was gorgeously drawn. And this, you can really tell, and even with the, without reading the little essay in the back, this is what Remender loves to be writing. I think if he could only be writing pulp sci-fi, high adventure, he would be. I get the sense that our, our hero is feeling a little bit guilty about what he's been doing. <laughs> um, that's sort of the parallel thing, is that you're going through all of these set pieces, but you also have a ton of, of his narration and feeling yeah. guilty about all of the people in his group, including some of his, his children, his family, um, who are put in harm's way. And it's sort of a race against time. Uh, towards this cataclysm at the end, and then it turns out to that doesn't happen, but something even worse happens when they try to get back home. Um, Whereas he's used to this very solitary figure and fear agent, even though he had he had his friends and his colleagues. This is he's got you know this Grant McKay has a group here. Uh, he's got like a group of scientists, a group of people, a group of catal- uh, collateral damage people who are around him that he has to take care of. So there's this it feels very different, but also very similar. He's sort of sort of Reed Richards at his moodiest. Like as the weight of the world, because he's he's brilliant, but then he's also you know 
broken some rules, and that's going to get not just him in trouble, but the people he cares about. If Reed Richards was the, had the internal narration of a sad Irish drunk, <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Maybe he, he can't does. help himself. It's what it is. I mean, that, it feels like I will. I will say I could have maybe done with a little less of that. With what the narration? The 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 sad yeah the sad uh, guilting self narration at least to begin with I guess like I just feel like he made the point a lot. Um, on the one hand, like he, he kind of put it all on the page and it worked, but I feel like maybe it might have been better served to turn some of that or at least dial that back just a little bit. I kind, I kind um, of agree with you. It's, but it's, it could also sort of be a character trait that he's really belaboring the point. And, and this is – no, and, that, and it's totally true. This is, a, this is almost a personal preference. Like I don't like that much narration anymore. It's like, yeah. It's like I don't love. But at the same time – like I, it worked. I get it. I know who this guy is. I know everything about it. I, you know, um, and it's not like it didn't work. It's not like I don't want to read more. Um, there, there is a sense though that you're reading a lot of that, and you go and you read through all the captions in the page because it's it's you know this you know links in a chain, and then you're like, oh wait, I didn't look at the pictures. Like I, I didn't. Yeah, that this this I didn't really follow they, the visual action because it's a, it's parallel. It happens sometimes, but I like. I, I don't want to lose all that entirely because it's all interesting stuff. Um, it's just uh, I sometimes had to like go back and reread things. Maybe maybe for me it's a little bit of um, the show don't tell thing. Yeah, like he's explaining a lot of what's happened before instead of showing it. Maybe that makes sense going forward. I, I don't really know. I can't I can't say that. But it certainly could be less as you you don't have to work to establish the world and the you know what does this electric whip do. Now that we know what it does, we don't know that I'm cool with. Like, yeah. I, I liked all that. I, I, and he did the same thing. He's done the same thing on, on a bunch of stuff. But like, we're that's just the reality. He did the same thing with Fear Agent. This is like, this is very similar to Fear Agent. If you like Fear Agent, um, and I don't, I don't mean that as a criticism, but there's definitely there's kinship. There's a slightly different kind of bubble space helmet. How does he run in those giant metal shoes? I assume they have exoskeletons of their own that are slightly powered. Because they don't look like you could run in them very well. Yeah, they, um, they help him along. Remender's really good at the main character who is guilty and self-flagellating. And uh, is going to do the right thing but screw up along the way. Apparently he's also good at, at fish ladies who like to shove their cooters in people's faces. <laughs> also. That's another thing. I did that- laugh at the, the bluefish or the frogs uh, sitting around the table. Ribbit. Yeah, I mean, it just looked creepy. I, I, you know, and that's just one of the sort of stylistic things that made me immediately think of of Fury Agent. Because one of the things that was great about Fury Agent was that uh, the aliens had their own like ridiculous language, right? Uh, and this, there's, this is definitely continued here. Like you could see these, you could see him cross. Like I could see Houston showing up in an issue of this later. See, the thing we, the thing we learn in this issue is, no matter what species you are, you enjoy a stripper. Just, okay. Yeah, especially creepy, lecherous frog people. I just with the with the dead eyes. It's. Uh, I think you're. <laughs> I think you're generalizing a little bit about just, the frog people. I'm just saying, those guys. They, they they just eat huge mounds of glowing green shit. Uh, now the I think the other strong contender for pick if had not been for Black Science was Saga uh, sixteen, which was I thought one of the best issues in a while. Yeah, I really like this one a lot. Uh, we, there's was, a lot going yeah. on here. 
it was still a bit of a uh, a placeholder issue. Like yeah. we're all just hanging out in the house, hanging out with people, which isn't necessarily bad, um, because you get to know these people and they're interesting and they're, uh, you know, their, their interactions are interesting. And and we we learned a little more about the half dead girl, yeah. um, sort of. She made a face. Um, <laughs> that's that's enough for now. Um, we also I, I really just liked the beginning sequence a whole lot. Uh, where the yeah. two reporters who've been showed up for a while now uh, go go to confront someone in the uh, government, and uh, he tries to trick them into thinking that she, that our main character is actually a spy, and uh, but then there's still clearly something going on in the background. Um, I like that sequence a lot. Let me let me this this brought up a question, and this is more of a discussion question. This is not a criticism. Do you think at a certain like at a certain point when he when he basically was talking to the two reporters and he was basically threatening to out them as on their world it's not okay to be gay right do you think that there's a certain point where you've got too much parallel with with our world in this i don't i don't know is that is maybe that. that a little bit on the nose no i i mean I didn't notice that to be honest I don't know about Paul, Paul or not that didn't didn't really occur to me i think it's i think it's consistent like it feels right for this book. It's true. Yeah, he he does write a lot of this. Been a lot of doing that since the beginning, and it's it's a, the book is a lot. Of, I mean, it's 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 a space opera, but it's also a book about sexuality and about relationships and um and community or, or societies and how they felt like yeah different families and yeah. Um, it's yeah, like I said, it's just it's just a thing I thought clash. about. It's it's really interesting how he can come up with something as far flung as this, but really make it incredibly close to home and not have it seem hokey. How do we feel about the uh, very, I mean, talking about on the nose, the very specific comic book superhero criticism in the middle? Remind me, because I read this. Well, the, uh, they're watching the hollow videos of the superhero uh, circuit. Oh. Right, right, right. It's called the, the circuit. Uh, it's it's, a, it's a, a virtual reality kind of thing. You put a bubble on your head and you're in the audience. And it's sort of like a telenovela with um, superheroes and masks. Mm-hmm. And they wear masks because a lot of them are, they have shady pests. They say like they're criminals and stuff. So they kind of have to wear masks. And it's kind I, of, I'm, I'm excited for, for our main characters to hopefully join that world. It looks like that's the plan. Yeah. Um, um, I don't, that doesn't, that doesn't bother me. I think that there's probably partially, he's partially talking about comics and superheroes, but he's, you know, he's been working in TV for enough years to get frustrated with that kind of thing too. Yeah, oh, I thought it was funny. I mean, it's I not, it was, yeah. I mean, there's no like anagrams of creator names or things like that. No, no, like, it's know, just it's, that the idea of the kind of stories there are, the audience killing killer off already, you know, like just sort of it was it was very, it was only one page, but it, I thought it was very sort of sharp. It's interesting that the two reporters are on the cover here, so it makes me think that their story uh, could go further, which is kind of interesting. Oh yeah, definitely. The naked lady. It. The star. I think it's. I think one of the most impressive thing about this, and I, I agree with you, Josh. That is, and it's one of the problems I had earlier was that we we're just sort of uh, circling at this point. Is that while we're circling, we get a lot of interesting depth of character and a lot of interesting new characters and a lot of interesting new facets to the society that are revealed, which I like quite a bit. And I like that we yeah. point out that you know Cyclops guy and and mother in law are you know sort of flirting with each other, and that's been very obvious for the past couple issues. And I was actually. Now Happy we're just. That they mentioned that. Yeah. That now we're. It's really soon. Yeah, it's soon. It's been. A, it's like my husband just died. Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> well, you are, old, so you, you are old, so you are old. You are old. I like that. Um, 
But, but then, things... you know, next issue, or it says after that, things got action-packed, so hopefully with the next issue, things sort of turn on. It sounds like it's going to get to that inglorious bastard's place where, you know, we have Prince Robot the Fourth coming in and them hiding somewhere under the floorboards, and they said he's going to be interrogating Cyclops Guy, so... I feel like at a, at a certain point, they're going to have to... Like, they're going to have to move on to whatever the next challenge is. Right. Like they're going to have to have their... You've been teasing Prince Robot now for 16 issues. He hasn't had anything to do. You know, he's just sort of going places and looking for them. Well, they're, like, they're laying the pipe time. for them to to join the circuit thing and be and for her to be an actor and him to be a stay-at-home dad is sort of set up that. Yeah. And I, I, I don't... That's not a guarantee that that's what's going to happen, but it looks like the, the clear path. So once they get over this hurdle of the ex-girlfriend, Bounty Hunter, and Prince Robot the Fourth. We can get that. It'll be, you know, a colorful new setting instead of characters, too. It'll be some kind of all right. Yep. I still really get jealous at his letter column writing. Yeah. It's just, it's so effortless. It, it, it annoys me. Conversational. And just, yeah. God damn you, Brian Cable. So we had a pair of deaths in Kenny Avengers 14 this week. Uh, anybody shocked and surprised by them? I think I forgot to read this, and you're going to spoil it for me. Yeah, we are. Uh oh. So, <laughs> damn. Well, this is you know the continuing story of the Apocalypse Twins, and since the beginning of this whole Avengers Unity Squad, um, Rogue and Scarlet Witch have not been um, getting along so well, and it appears that they both bought it. Well, this issue, the uh, you know, the big plan has been that Scarlet Witch is going to use Wonder Man's help to cast a giant spell to not send all the mutants to their own planet as the twins want, but to summon them all to where she is so they can fight the twins with a giant mutant army. Uh, but of course, Rogue misunderstands what's happening and attacks her and kills, quote unquote, kills Scarlet Witch, uh, followed by Rogue then being very quickly killed herself. But, um, so by Grim Reaper. Although right. Rogue at the time is borrowing Wolverine's power set, so does that mean well but but then she like exploded. So yeah. I don't know exactly how that happened. She gets atomized. Yeah. Is this the first issue that Steve McDevin drew? Yes. Wow. Look at that. Yeah. So, so it's, it's a little rough in places, I gotta be honest. Yes. It wasn't very Steve McNiven esque. If you told me it was him, I would have been surprised. Yeah, I can see that. I wonder if that deals. With, I wonder if that has to do with what art, what inker, John Dell's on this one. Who inked? Uh, I wonder who inked Old Man Logan. Because mm-hmm. that was when he was. Like carry on. I'll. Yeah. I'll Although this puts this closer to the Cassidy issues in sort of style. Yes. Like it's look. It looks like <laughs> Eminem for some reason aping that style, um, but or the inker doing that. But I don't. I don't know. But it, anyways. But. No. Um, they, 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 Acuna was the was the high point. Of yes, it. I think it was funny that this this uh, this as a coincidence came out the day they announced the Scarlet Witch for the movie. Even though we all knew who was playing her because she'd been saying it all over the world, but right. uh, the official announcement came the day that they killed or they quote unquote killed her off in the books. Yeah, I was thinking uh, that while I was reading, it was well, uh, I, I mean, but she does. I mean, she doesn't necessarily she doesn't die on you know. It's like the next panel would be her slumping over. So I don't know if she's dead or not. Um, and she also, and you know, the other important plot beat is that she professed her love to Wonder Man, um, who earlier in the who, issue is worried about getting to an audition or something. Who, who himself may or may not be dead. Yeah, a lot of he, people may, may or may not have died in this he issue. He dispersed into his ionic energy powers and, 
Yeah, so I don't know. I enjoy this story. Um, I don't love it as much as I love Uncanny X-Force, but uh, I like the pairing of characters. I think they're lots of fun together. Um, Reminder at least works with interesting artists. Dexter Vines. Dexter Vines, that's right. And this is not Dexter Vines. No, this, this is John Bell. Yeah. Doesn't look like a McMiven. And so do you think, so at the end, she she doesn't just say, she doesn't just like summon all the mutants. It sounds like it's very biblical and it sounds like like they talk about the hev- like heaven and, and like rise. It sounds like maybe some zombie mutants are but coming. But the dead mutants. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Well, people love zombies, Paul. They do. And uh, let's cram as many zombies in everywhere as we can. I don't know. I I thought it was fun. I didn't, you know, the deaths don't make a big, aren't a really big deal to me because then, you know, they're not really deaths. So jaded, we're uh, jaded at this point. But <laughs> but uh, it was fun. I thought it was. I thought I, I like Wonder Man. I like that he's. I like that he's in the mix here. Uh, meanwhile, we had Avengers Reunion 18, which ended the first volume of the story. Yeah, this is, well, this is the end of Avengers Arena, and then it's going to be right. Well, the story continues in a different volume, so this is the first volume of the story, um, which. In which in which the saga of the murderer island ends, and the the surviving kids finally make it off. And that's going to be Avengers Undercover is going to be next. Right. Um, this was great. Yeah. They they didn't lie when they told us this was going to be the book to watch out for, and these eighteen issues were tons of fun. It's really interesting to read Hopeless's essay in the back. How he didn't um, want to write this book at all. He was he was like this. I was like I haven't said this really in interviews, but I thought this was a terrible idea because he wrote this long pitch about what he was going to do, and it was going to culminate in Avengers Arena, where it was going to be sort. Of, he described it as like like the um, the Wizards Cup or whatever. That he was going to write a book basically for Iran. He was going to write a teen a teen <laughs> drama book. Yeah, but then it was going to end with Avengers Arena, where it was a bunch of different schools coming together for a fight to the death, and then the editors said, "Just do that part." And he's like, what? And he's like, I can't do that as an ongoing series. But then he said, I was, you know, I was wrong. And um, it's been great to do it as, you know, an extended series, not just like, you know, five or six issues. Yeah. Um, he's got to meet all these, all these different characters, different people borrowing the Darkhawk armor. <laughs> that was really interesting because at the beginning, I really didn't know who most of them were. And, you know, they knocked them off. You didn't get to know everybody. But as they windowed them down, like by the end, I really did feel like I know who all these characters are and kind of what they were about. And that was handled really, really well. Yep. Um, like it was, it was one of those microcosm world worlds that they built. Um, and it really was like throw these people in a room, but also send monsters to kill these people <laughs> at the same time and see what happens. I like that there was fallout to this. You know, the yes. very end we get sort of the news coverage of as this story comes out and, you know, should these kids be superheroes? Is it too dangerous? And then, I also like the idea of Arcade uploading the raw footage because they, they kids try to cover up what exactly happened. They don't want the word to get out that, you know, this is what happened exactly. It's, it's interesting because it's basically if you're, if you're putting, you know, Marvel's supposed to be in our world. It's supposed yeah. to be. So there's almost nothing that you can do that with these, these kind of characters that the media is not going to be an issue. Right. right. And, and a lot of, I think a lot of other books kind of try to ignore that. And I don't want to read that over and over again, even though that is thing. These people are basically celebrities, and that comes along with something. Um, but I yeah. think for this, it works, yeah, especially since they're kids. Yeah, it's, and so it's like Skyfall at the end. He puts up like a YouTube video, and yeah. you get to sl- they're like slowly people are, are checking out this video and seeing that these people that are supposed to be, you know, teen heroes are actually trying to kill each other to stay alive. What was interesting is that that first video was one of 30. Yeah. He's got a lot of uploads. He's gonna be there for yeah. for a while for the good future. Oh, tagging—that's a problem. 
Yeah. Uh, he finds you know, a typo in one of the titles, he's going to go back. Just <laughs> putting all the metadata in, fixing the XML. It's not. People think that this stuff just happens. And no, I'm here to tell no. you. I mean, like, honestly, kidnapping all those young superheroes and building that world, that's going to be the easiest part. Right. Dealing with he's got teaching. editing. He's got music rights he's got to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, questions of motion graphics. It's not. Yeah. Plus, he's going to get sued by people who did Battle Royale and Hunger Games. Yep, that's a, that's, that's definitely a thing that's going to happen. Uh, can you tell we're all like a post-Turkey malaise? I'm, I'm not. I, it's, it's hard. It's crypto-fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm tired. I can't breathe. I got allergies. This is, this is not a set of top four. Uh, Flash 25 was the final issue of Francis Manipal and Brian Buccoletto's run on the book. I thought it was noteworthy for a few reasons. One... Uh, Manipal drew a few pages at the end, but mostly it was drawn by Chris Sprouse, uh, which was which was good. But two it was also basically just a crime or a cop story because it was a young Barry Allen before he got the powers in Gotham City, helping out during the uh, blackout, and uh, so basically just him on his own, you know, as with Bullock. Who in this issue is a detective. We mentioned last time with Batman, he was a plainclothes cop, and here he's a detective in his uh, suit. He's much thinner though. And uh, so it's the two of them sort of trying to figure out this drug crime. And I thought it was interesting. It's basically just a crime story, just a cop story. Um, and Sprouse did a great job with it. He's a, you know, Sprouse is awesome. And uh, there's actually two Sprouse books this week, actually, with the uh, Tom Strange book. Right, but yeah. uh, uh, really fun. I thought it was a really fun issue. And, you know, Buccoletto and Manipal did a pretty good job with it. I thought there was up and ups and downs with the series. But ultimately, I thought this was, this was probably successful. New 52 book. It looks great. And the pages that Matt Paul drew were pretty great. Um, I mean, there's a bit of a contrivance in this issue, in this, in that Iris West also happens to be there, you know, helping out and they run into each other and share a little romantic moment at the end. But even though they're not really in a romantic situation in their, you know, in the, in the, in the present, but what, what are you going to do? I thought it was fun though. It was good. Worth checking out. So it's just a one shot story. Um, Paul, can you read it next thing? Cause I can't breathe. Yeah, sure. <laughs> if, <laughs> if I talk uh, too much, I can't be. If you, you want to okay? buy a defibrillator, if you want to buy a defibrillator, defibrillator. Um, oh, not you, that guy's just my nose stuffed up, but I can't breathe through it. So when I talk, I can't. I'm, yeah. If you want to buy, if you want to buy a treadmill, um, so you can get calves just like Barry Allen. Um, Cyber Monday is coming. Uh, head on over to ifanboy.com/slash/amazon, and you can get those things. Check out those deals. Um, buy uh, a TV that you wouldn't want normally. Um, <laughs> I did that once. I did that once Cyber Monday. Don't, don't buy t- it's it's been all over Twitter today. Don't buy a TV. There's there's seriously TVs that are designed to be sold just on on Black Friday and Cyber Monday because they're crap and they're anyways. But buy those. Um, do buy those uh, at ifanboy.com/slash/amazon. Make that your bookmark. When you buy stuff, because we get a little piece of the action, and we like the action, we need the action. Um, <laughs> so we're learning something about Paul. Our our um our gloves uh are fingerless, not because um it's fashionable, um it's because we like to uh, put our hands, warm them over trash cans that are on fire, um just to stay alive. Um, so help us out. Um, you can also do that by going to ifanboy.com/slash/registration. Uh, you can you can uh, subscribe. What is it called? You can be what? You can be uh, an iFanboy. iFanboy member? You can be an iFanboy member. Yeah, I'm new. Um, $3 a month or $30 a year. How much turkey did you eat? It, 
Or is that a sore subject? Should enough. I talk about? I enough. Um, I would think there would never be enough. <laughs> it's really fun because like the whole day, I'm just jonesing for turkey, and then it's over in like five minutes. Yeah. There's, totally. I'm sure there are other things like I, that, but I can't think of them at the moment. I look forward to the second day turkey and stuffing and gravy sandwich. That's a good day. I know a lot of that people is, are into that. that oh. The moist maker. That's the best part. Oh, right. are we yes, done? I'm sorry. Yeah, I guess we're done. Uh, to do that, we really appreciate it. Well, mention now this is, this is the holiday season. You'll be shopping for Christmas and other, other celebrations this as well. This is the holiday season. You're going to be shopping for so if you use the uh, fanboy Amazon link, that it'll help us really out whenever you. And listen, and we know how it works. You go in there, you put something in the cart for someone else. You look at that dollar value, and you go, "I need, I need to get something for me too." Yeah, I'm not spending a lot of money. You do that. Yeah. You do that over and over again. Then there's the January. Well, I didn't get this stuff I wanted. Yeah. And so, super no. shipper saving is up to what is thirty dollars now or thirty five? Thirty five. It was twenty five. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, get that. Get that minimum. At All that stuff. Buy a PS4. Um, Hit that minimum at ifanboy.com. <laughs> Hit that minimum the iFanboy store. <laughs> so, Paul, what the heck is this book that you put into the script? All right. This is the, this is the, the Sholly Fish section of the show <laughs> again. Um, we talked about the, uh, the Scooby-Doo last week. This time we're talking about Mr. Peabody and Sherman, number one. Who published this? IDW. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. This is the first one. There's a movie coming out. With, okay, the, with the guy from Modern Family as the dog. But anyways, this if you if if you know if the kids out there remember I, the Rocky and Bullwinkle. I was a big fan. I don't I I know that I'm gonna sound ignorant here, but that's gonna be my new role. Is this a live action movie? Is this a, a, a it is a, a CG it's a CG movie, yeah. Yeah. Um and they look they look mostly like the old versions of them. Um the the comic looks it's it's off it's off model from both. It's it's a it's its own look. Um, I'm hard pressed to describe it. It's a lot of jagged lines, a, a nice heavy line to it's, it. It's a it's a beautiful it, style, but I I don't know. It, there's nothing that looks like this. Um, who did who drew? This? You can only assume that Roger Langridge demurred. <laughs> <laughs> I assume. Ar- Art and no, colors okay, by Art and colors by Jorge uh, Manlango. Um, and delightful. It's uh, it's Shally Fish. And if you don't know the, the the Mr. Peabody and the Sherman, it's it's a, a very intelligent dog who adopts a boy, and they go oh. on time traveling adventures. And this one, they go back into prehistoric times, and uh, it's it's the invention of the wheel. And is Mr. Peabody the kid or the dog? Mr. Peabody is the dog. He's got glasses, so you know he's smart, and a bow tie. Bow tie. Well, anyone named cool. Peabody is going to have glasses about the time. One of those jackets with the patches on the elbows. Okay, well, racist. Um, some sort of some and, sort of tweed vest. No, he's a pipe. He's, it's like a he's sort of like Snoopy, but a taller head, I guess, for brain capacity, and uh, white ears instead of black ears. And uh, why is it always going to be about racist people? Sherman, no, is uh, he has he has the red hair and big glasses, and um, they're having adventures together. They're learning. I this one is I think a little bit more playful than the uh, the Scooby Doo one, which is very much just like Scooby Doo formula. Like it's by the book Scooby Doo. This this one's got the there's it's got the TARDIS in there. It's got the uh, what's that? I, it's sort of like uh, well, it's not the DeLorean. It looks like a mix of the the Ghostbusters car and the I hope, DeLorean. I hope you're not asking us because you're getting... yeah I know. But it's uh, so anyways. This is fun and uh, get it for the kids. Learn about history. I don't know if it's all accurate, but I wasn't I wasn't alive during the well. There's a, there's a talking dog, so I'm assuming it's not very accurate. 
I'm saying the times that they've. All right. Well, there's a there's a woolly mammoth in there. It's great. It's fun. I liked it. Gosh. All right. All right. Enough with the glasses and the dog. Let's Sledgehammer 44. I I can't seem to notice this book, even though you every time I think, oh, Paul's gonna be mad at me, but I I just I don't see it. What? You don't it's see still, it. Like you get Sledgehammer like I, blindness. I don't notice it in this in the in the list. I guess it does okay. not a thing that I that I look for. But you were really into it. It's a big robot in World War Two. Yeah, well, it's it's a robot suit, and he's and he's filled with like virile energy. It's I don't know, like this eldritch kind of horror energy, and as all Mignola things, you know, whence they come. Anyways, so <laughs> this is uh, this is set in in uh, World War Two. It's it's 1933, and that we introduce. There was a two-parter before, and it was uh, Mignola and Arcudi and Jason Latour on art, and the art was kind of revelatory. It was kind of amazing and really dynamic, and. Um, this is this is a, another artist, also good. Um, Lawrence Campbell, color by, yes, I guess who did the color? Dave Stewart. It's Dave Stewart. That's right. It's Dave Stewart. There's there's a <laughs> there's a scary Nazi guy in here, and he's going to go head to head with our hero, who's this. He was he was a, a World War Two. He was he was an American Army grunt who ended up sacrificing himself he died in a barn that was surrounded by nazis with with his guys and his soul before it passed on to the other realm whatever the other side it went into this big robot suit and so it's not it's it's not a robot it's just like a big suit of armor and he laid waste to those nazis like you want to see nazis laid waste to yeah no he didn't he didn't die in a barn surrounded by nazis no bull randleman no he didn't. He survived. Yeah, he made his way out of there. He, he was there in Holland, I believe. Yes. They, they they'd all left Bull for dead because they didn't they didn't realize. Nope. Now you don't want to get Bull Randall mixed up with Moose Heidel. <laughs> was killed. <laughs> no. uh, he had he was a lieutenant. He briefly commanded Easy Company. I'm but so tired. Anyways, uh, Sledgehammer Forty Four. This guy is they don't. Dave play. Stewart. <laughs> The army doesn't understand him. They don't know what he wants. He's very, well, he's, he's, he's very taciturn. He's not talking. He's he's not There's talking no too much. For that. And he's just like sitting in. They get, they have him in an interrogation room, and they're complaining like this guy hasn't eaten anything. He hasn't pooped. He hasn't done anything. He's just sitting there. We don't know what he is. And well, here's the thing: imagine that you are a company XO, right? Yeah. You don't know where this this suit sits in chain of command. Who t- who's commanding this suit of armor? You don't know. You don't know what you're responsible for. You don't know. Who has you don't know anything it's, about it's it. oil. Oil for the joints. Oil mm-hmm. can. Exactly. Oil can. Yeah, but that's, um, listen, put, bring in, you bring even one can of oil across uh, a battle line uh, from, from, from sort of the port to there. That's an amazing logistical feat. And they can't plan for that kind of thing because they don't know anything about it. They don't have the specs. They don't have that. They need to have that stuff laid out. It's a big problem. You can't just drop a giant metal soldier into the middle of the war and expect it to be okay. All right, here's a sexy point. People people work on these plans, you know. They're not just making it up. So this lady comes in into the interrogation room and they're watching they're watching stuff and she's and and no and she's and she's like we don't know we don't know if he's human or not i'm gonna find out if he's human and she starts like like unbuttoning her shirt and she you know turns around and like 
you know, pulling her shirt, you know, off the shoulders and stuff. And the guys in the background are like, stop her. And the other guy's like, no, no, don't stop her. This is cool. I like this. And <laughs> and you think she's like, you assume like, oh, she's trying to like titillate him, see if, you know, she can get a rise out of this robot guy to see if he's alive or not, if there's a human being in there. And, and uh, but no, it's, she, she's showing him the scars on her back, which she got from, uh, because this is the tie-in to Lobster Johnson, the Iron Prometheus story. Where Lobster Johnson saved her from, uh, you know, from torture. Is the robot also Lobster Johnson? Because I will buy it. No, no. I think that David Stewart called it. But Lobster, Lobster Johnson, Johnson appears in the issue in a in a flashback. Well, Paul was talking. I looked over and noticed there was pie on the counter, and I got I got distracted. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, if you like the Hellboy, now, this is a this is a good book. This is this is a three parter. So I imagine they're going to put the two of them together. The two. If Lobster Johnson exists in this world, then that means it exists in Hellboy's world. It, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have reference to uh, BPRD and Professor Bloom. Uh, uh, okay. Broom, excuse me. Now Josh has to go check it out. And and Nazis. So. Um, well, Nazis means Hellboy. Hitler's in there. There's a Hitler cameo. So we know that Greg Rucka likes. Uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we... Rockford Files. We know that Greg Rucka likes Rockford Files. Apparently, so does Matt Fraction. Oh, there's one more here. My only comment about about Hawkeye fourteen is, is it just me? I, I or... think I think the problem with this is that is that Kate and Clint play off each other very well, but Kate on her own is a little much. I liked it. I, I really just, enjoyed she it. She doesn't have to be. No, but, but she I feel is. Like this is this is the. The, the the Matt Fraction line that we worry about. Okay. I think it's yes. issues he goes too far into that you know very precious side of things, and I didn't dislike it. I I, I agree. Okay, I just didn't love it as much as I normally love Hawkeye because I feel like when she's when it's just Kate, the issues have just been Kate by herself are usually a little too much. I think they go a little bit too wacky with her issues. I like the yeah. wacky. I I, I, get I, that. I enjoy this a whole lot, and I like the. I don't a, want a lot of this. I like it's it's Annie Wu on art. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. liked it. It's I don't know. It's and I guess you you would say that it's probably like too I don't know like Veronica Mars over the top. But I've never seen Veronica Mars, but you just convinced me I don't ever need to. You probably don't, but I love it. Um, no, I I thought it was really charming and, um. It's a nice like I used to like her, but this issue I would not want anything to do with her. And then you're you're like the the police chief. Like, oh god, Kate's coming back around. Yeah, turn you'd make police on. chief. Me? Yeah, you would. I get your reports you'd, in. Like you'd have to be a little more grizzled, but you can take a hard line stance like anybody's business. I can get grizzled. Yeah, in a hurry. No, no, no problem. I thought this was I've fun. Seen... I liked it better than the previous issue with Clint. What was that one? I don't know. It was, I'm, I'm, it was catching little, us up on stuff. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a little lost with the. Like, I feel like they're just sort of meandering. I don't think there's any story right now. No, I think this I think one? we sort of hit a brick wall with the murder of of girls. Yeah, I think I think up until that point is you know cooking with gas, and now it's sort of sputtering. <laughs> so, so the combination of of it splitting off into you know the two coasts. Yes, and having you know, following one Hawkeye well, and the other Hawkeye, and, well, in addition to telling st- story out of order a little bit with the the grill stuff. Well, yeah, quite you literally, can say it that way more intelligently if you want. Quite literally, because of that, the story has not moved in yeah. many months because we're we're just spreading the same crowd over. Yeah. Great, that's that's fine. 
Um, but it does make it feel As, like like we're just running in circles. And if you like spending time with these separating this issue from that stuff, I, I think this is a good little pilot sort of for her. Although she had that previous issue, but and we get to see more of like the like they're set, setting like, setting up Madame Mask as um like sort of her nemesis and they did that already. Yeah, she's already been in I know. I'm set, but like they're they're setting that up with these two issues. She's continuing. It wasn't just a one off thing. It's why are you a Hawkeye apologist? Because I liked it. I enjoyed it. I had fun All with right, it. Fine. I'm sorry you didn't. I didn't dislike it. I just okay, that's fine. So just... much. So much. Deadpool Annual 2013 featuring the character Madcap. If you folks oh, at home Madcap. don't know Madcap, he's one of the uh, uh, of healing character. factor. <laughs> he's a healing factor guy, and he can also make you go loopy and crazy by looking at you, like hypnotizes you with his eyes. And in this issue, uh, which is by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker. Blacker. Yeah. Ben and Acker and Ben Blacker. Are you, Acker, are Blacker. you kidding me? Even I, even I know what this is. I'm so out of it. I'm in it. And art by the wonderful <laughs> Doc. Longtime listeners will recognize that. Doc Shaner, Evan Doc Shaner, who, uh, who, who drew my, uh, my Twitter avatar, the Captain Haddock. Um, I like seeing him on, on a book. Um, and so this is, this is a sort of, uh, they say it's like previous to Secret Invasion, um, but that's in their goofy sort of tongue-in-cheek Deadpool kind of way. And, uh, you know, they're both healing factor kind of characters, and Thor blows them up, and they turn to Ash, and then they reform into one person. So Madcap has been stuck in Deadpool's head for a while, and they're interacting, and now they've been split apart by the end of it. Um, and that it's fun. Deadpool's thing. They do some fun with negative space um, and how, like... They interact with each other in terms of the thought boxes, not not thought balloons, but thought boxes, um, and the negative space, and how they're how they're split apart, and how the two characters um, battle for control of the body. And I thought that was really fun and, and um, inventive. It's great that Doc Shaner's in a book. I agree. Yeah, he's not your traditional superhero, big two artist, but. Uh... I like it. And he gets to draw Thor in here. He gets to draw Daredevil, Luke Cage, Deadpool, obviously. I'm looking at a lot of characters he gets to draw here. I see Thor, Juggernaut, Wolverine, Beast, Storm, Spider-Man, the Lizard. The Fantastic Four in there, or the yeah. EFF, I guess they're in their white costumes. Hulk a is. lot of dead ninjas. Yep. It's Tour de Force. More Doc Shaner, please. Mm-hmm. So those are the comics of the week we're going to talk about. Now let's squeak the last book of the month in uh, before the year ends. And actually, this is a sort of a special book of the month in that Paul did not tell us what it was. So Josh and I have no idea what we're in for. Should, Paul, should we verbally uh, let our approval or disapproval be known after he says it? Well, I think I feel like Paul's already annoyed with us because we're being weird on this show already. I just so. feel bad because I'm talking the whole time and like talking about books that I read. This, this is what happens you know, on the show. The you know, Ron used to get annoyed by us, too. <laughs> it's only a matter of time before you leave to go join Dark Horse. <laughs> if we got off of that script, and he hated it. Do you so, find people at home want to know what the book is? I, I I'm, holding, I'm holding it up we'll for my there. webcam right is now. A, is it offensive? Uh, to Are some people. Letters? To, uh, to some church groups, probably. All right, so I'm going to tee you up Ooh. here, Paul. The uh, fanboy uh, December 2013 book of the month is Hellboy the Midnight Circus. By... I'm a little disappointed. I hope there's something more out there. 
by Mike Mignola and Duncan Figredo and who did the colors? Dave Stewart. All right. Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart. Okay, so... Is it, wait, so what is this book? Is it an OGN? Is it, what is it? Is this it is a an, compilation? It's an OGN, um, an original graphic novel, but it's only 56 pages. Um, Whoa, is that what OGN means? Oh, original wait. graphic novel? Yes. <laughs> um, usually they're a little bit longer than 56 pages. Um, on the Not back, necessarily. The, I mean, it's like sort of like a prestige format book, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a prestige. what it, used to be called. But it's hardcover, though. Um, right. So they cost, they charge you what? Twelve ninety nine. Uh, it's it retails it's, for fourteen ninety nine. Whoa! I got I it for less on the Amazon. This Dave Stewart just didn't have time to color more pages. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's that's your. There's your roadblock right there. I'm gonna just stop. This is not a rush job. This is every page of this. Is beautiful. I want to apologize to you, Paul, to the, everyone out there. This is what you get on a post Thanksgiving show. You used to get in the old days. Josh will remember or not. Most likely not. Uh, that we used to do like a 20 minute post Thanksgiving show because we were all so loopy. Jesus but this time Christ, we gave you the full hour. Stop yeah. talking. Okay. I'll stop talking. <laughs> all right. There's like, okay, so there's two Dave different stories. This is, it's sort of um, Hellboy, young, it's, it's, it's young or Lil with the apostrophe Hellboy. Um, it old, like, it's Pamcake's Hellboy. It's the, it's the little kid with the, you know, with the big. Oh, that Hellboy. Fist. And there's actually. You could look at it as the story that surrounds the Pancake short story that, as you know, is the best, one of the best comics ever. Right. Um, I, I don't know what if the two pages needs anymore. Well, it's, I mean, that's just sort of like a, it, it, it's a cameo appearance. Um, it's not waffles? really about that. Does he have waffles in this one? Huh? Does he have waffles in no, this one? No, he doesn't. All right. He, this is sort of Hellboy meets Pinocchio. Um, he runs away from the BPRD. Um, in the year, what year is it? They're in Connecticut, I guess, well, part of the BPRD. Is it like the what, what year was he found? Because he was sort of middle aged in the war. In the, in the war. Well, so it's it's nineteen forty eight. It's nineteen forty eight. Um, and actually, Professor Bloom, Broom, excuse me, in the background is talking to one of uh, the uh, one of his associates, and he's saying like, you, I don't think you should raise this kid because this is a demon you don't know what i saw that night you know when he came through that portal and broom is like i was i was there i saw it and i'm gonna raise this kid he's you know this is this is my son and i'm gonna take care of him and i'm not gonna let anything bad happen to him hellboy is um continually trying to to um hang out with all the other soldiers on the base and they tell him you're you're too young for this joke you know go away and he runs off and he ends up in it's actually a rundown old circus um, or carnival. But when he enters it, it turns into like this enchanted circus, sort of like like out of Pinocchio. And there's a lot of allusions to that, like the like the giant, you know, the, the, the whale eating Pinocchio. And um, Professor Broom is sort of like Geppetto trying to find him. Um, and it's beautiful. And it, you know, there's the regular Duncan Figredo style. And I've always really liked Figredo's Hellboy issues. And I kind of miss him on the main Hellboy book. Um, How long has the business he's done it? Well, they haven't really been in any new Hellboy books for a while. Well, it was, yeah, but, but like, you know, issues. Mignola did Hellboy in Hell. And I kind of like Figredo better these days. I like, agree. I like classic Mignola, but like in terms of what they're both doing now. I think Figredo is a little bit more detailed and nuanced in his art. And this is and so once he gets into that circus and there's sort of maybe Rasputin, um, 
maybe some some devils and demons and stuff trying to persuade him to start using his arcane powers to to actually bring about you know the end of the world uh early on and um professor broom just kind of saves him by by coming in and finding him and when you actually get into the circus part of the book um Figredo switches up his style to sort of um there's sort of a wash over it and I think there were some comments on Twitter about people thought that it was painted by Dave Stewart, but it's actually not. It's just the um, the brush strokes that uh, Figredo is using and the wash that he uses over it. And then it's very lightly colored. Wait, Dave, Dave Stewart, Stewart colored this? St- you know, I thought that and I didn't say it. Okay. I, su- I assumed. I suspected. So, so when, I'm listening. I when, was, did this, I was, I'm I was when, did, when did this come out? This came out last month. Oh, perfect. Yeah, so um, it's it's so short, something that, sorry, short, sorry, one question. Yeah, is a is it something that a non Hellboy, like somebody who has been following the Hellboy purity stories, is something they can pick up and read? If you just saw the Hellboy movie, like the first Hellboy, um, which I really enjoyed, um, I think that's sort of all you need to know. Um, that this this age this government agency is raising this Hellspawn who says things like "oh crap" and. Was that a, a not so subtle dig at the second Hellboy movie? I I really enjoy the second Hellboy movie. I'm I'm probably an apologist for the for the Golden Army. Um, but I'm saying all you really need to know is that first Hellboy, that origin story. Okay. Where he's a you know a little hell baby and uh, and comes through. But um, it's you know short and sweet. It's a it's um, uh, not for kids at all. It's very dark and uh, if you if you go back and watch like the original Disney Pinocchio movie. It's kind of it's really heavy. Um, all those old Disney movies are heavy and scary. There's like it's all about you know temptation and stuff, and there's you know a lot of uh, a lot of dangerous paths that that Hellboy doesn't take. Uh, well, he could have had French toast. Could have gone for an omelet. No, he went for pancakes. That's what that I, reprinted that's... in the book. What is what is is the pancake story reprinted in the book? He's hanging out with the the other soldiers, and I haven't read pancakes in a while. I don't know if it's I don't know if this is the first time he's eating pancakes, and they're just showing you in the background, or this is like another time when he's eating pancakes. Um, I you don't know what, what we're talking about, by the way. Uh, search Hellboy pancakes. Google image search it. It's what two and pages? You'll probably find. It's two pages. You'll, you'll find a high res scan of the two pages, and it's it's uh, probably the best two page comic book uh, that I've ever read. Great short story, one of the best short stories. In terms of, it's a great example of how storytelling works in comics in a, in a very compact amount of space. So you've, um, you've basically got the Beast of the Apocalypse, who's being raised by a, a kindly old professor, and once he tastes earthly pancakes for the first time, which he calls pancakes, then all the devils down in hell know that they've lost him to to the side of good and you get that in two pages and it's it's wonderful well they are delicious i mean if i knew a girl and i wanted to flirt with her i would probably call her pam cakes <laughs> pam cakes if her name was pam it's possible that that would happen mm-hmm. after i felt comfortable with her i wouldn't do that say if i didn't really know her it wouldn't be an opening gambit for example all right, so th- that was the book of the month. Paul, thank you for the final uh, Fanboy Book of the Month 2013. Uh, we will come back before the end of the year and d- reveal our book of the year. Paul, will you ever agree to do this again? <laughs> it's going to be at least a week you before mean the, I do the this show again. or 
the book of the month. Any of it, really. I'm leaving that open-ended for him to answer. Okay, we have some audience questions. Let us get <laughs> some audience questions. Paul, do you want to read the first one? Peter, or should I read it? Peter from Victoria, British Columbia. As goes so many of your listener questions, I was big into comics in my youth, mostly top cow comics of all places, probably due to Michael Turner's love of drawing mostly naked women, but have recently become immersed again with comics. Uh, there's lots of things going on right now I love. Saga, Hawkeye, Daredevil, and a lot of the Star Wars comics, as I'm a big, uh, big Star Wars fan. But every time I try to find a list of comics you need to read, it's always the same stuff. Watchmen, Miller's Batman, Civil War, Preacher, Swamp Thing, etc., etc. Having only been back in the game for a year or so, what are some of the older things you recommend that maybe aren't the same 10 that always get talked about? So deep cuts, I guess. Essential deep cuts. So why don't How we all... old do they have to be? Well, it's just stuff, stuff that's not necessarily, you know, in, in those lists. You know, you know, the 10 books are on the list, those 10 yeah, yeah, yeah. big ones. And so if he was reading Michael Turner stuff, that means he was around in the 90s and then he dropped out. So stuff, stuff uh, from the early 2000s, let's say. That's all working well, on one book. I was, I was, the first thing that came to me that I was, you need to, you need to read Darwin Cook's Parker. That's a good one. If you just Modern came back, you probably. You probably missed those. Um, powers. Really? Yeah, I see the first volume of Powers, definitely. I, I went back and read it. Great. I don't know. I don't know. It's a little rough. But I think that's what part of it's, it's great about it. It's an indie Maybe. book. It's a pure indie book. Maybe. Um, Fear Agent. We were talking about uh, Rick Remender's Black Science. Um, Transmetropolitan. Transmetropolitan is, 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 a, is a classic. Uh, in that sense, Paul, what would you say? I I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say BPRD. Get those big deluxe editions. Those green plague of frogs books. Yeah, get those. Sponsor. Starman. Is that is that on an alpha list anyway? It's hard to say. Yeah. I don't know, but okay. But those are same. those are good ones. Yeah. Um, in the same vein, if you liked, you know, Parker, but you wanted, you know, New Frontier really is. Probably my it's still my favorite sort of DC story that's been done over the last fifteen years. I think. I remember when we when we got out of college and we first started doing our family. It was sort of a really great time to be, you know, discovering comics again as yeah, an older reader. So you had Powers and you had Transmetropolitan, you had Planetary, Gotham you Central, had, uh, Gotham, Gotham Central, you had Astro City, you had Queen of Country. Yeah, uh, that was the two thousand two thousand one period. Is a lot of great stuff coming out. If if you wanted. Um, just mainstream stuff. Uh, the first fifty issues of Ed Brubaker, uh, Captain America, is yeah. probably the best sort of mainstream example there. Uh, Bendis's Ultimate Spider-Man, you know, as a straight long run of issues, is, is fantastic. Yeah, that was a All good Star time. Superman. All the Superman, yeah, that's probably on the list. Those are some good uh, ones. Yeah, that'll, that'll you know, do you, Peter. That'll, that's several thousand dollars worth of books. That'll, that'll work. All right, so Kevin wrote in and said, uh, so I just listened to your review of Thor The Dark World, and I've been listening to you guys for a long time now. I guess your guys' opinions are starting to rub off of me, and due to that, I'm left wondering, is there any reason for me to continue with my adventures with DC? Over the past few weeks and episodes, I can count on my one hand how many DC books you've discussed, and you guys clearly believe their movies are inferior, and any future movies have no hope. So... Is there anything for us DCIs to hold on to or okay. hold on for? First of all, movies and the comics have nothing to do with one another. Yeah, they're completely different. Uh, both in terms of quality or... One woman oversees both of them, but they don't... 
And Jeff Johns works on both, but that's it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put them together. Arrow's this week, I love fun. to see. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Just over this week, I looked to see if there are any DC books, and I, I had to triple check, and I was like, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to read any of these. Um, we, I mean, we have made no bones about the fact that we think the execution of the New Fifty Two has been, for the most part, on the whole, a disaster. Uh, and that wasn't our contention in the first year of it. We thought we, we were really enjoying it, but I think it's gotten worse as time has gone on. And they've clearly set a an agenda and a tone that they want to hit. And we're just not in that audience base for that, which is fine. Not for if us. You are. I mean, there's, there's other stuff. There's stuff to read in there. I mean, we're, we're all still yeah. reading DC books, I think. Yeah. Are we all still reading Green Arrow? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Uh, yeah, Enjoy I'm that. reading... Uh, so reading Animal Man, I read Swamp Thing's been really very good. Wonder uh, Woman. Um, Wonder Woman. Uh, we're all reading Batman. Um, I'm reading. Uh, I'm going to be reading Aquaman. I'm going to be reading yeah. um, action comics. Right. Yes. Batman, action Superman. Comics. There's uh, still there's been, books there, definitely. There's actually, you know, there's been some bright spots lately. It's been getting better here and there. And in the last week's show, we talked about a lot of these two books. There was a show before. Yeah. One of the show, last couple of shows, there was a lot of these two books on it, but. I mean, Marvel, Marvel's doing a lot of good things, and Image is doing a lot of good things, and it's hard in comparison to those two companies for DC at the moment in terms of what we like, anyway. You know, at the same time, like it's kind of like DC's not going after the same audience right. of superhero fans. Yeah, <laughs> the other superhero fans are going after. I think. I so think that's kind of an interesting thing. I think Axel Alonso in a, in a Q and A said that you know, like Marvel doesn't have a house style, and I don't know if DC officially has a house style. I mean, there's certainly books that. Um, look very different, but it, there's not as much diversity in terms of, of visual style. Especially. No, you would never see Doc Shane or in a DC book, even though you should. Yeah. You know? You would see him at most on Adventures of Superman. Right, a digital, like, yeah. Digital first thing. A lot of the digital stuff is fun. That's, I mean, if, you're, if you want to hold on to hope, it's a lot of the stuff that's happening in digital and maybe the hope that some of that will, you know, trickle up to the print stuff. It has, I think. It I mean, ha- you're starting to see some of those guys. You're looking at Jeff Park for getting lately, writing work. Yeah. Um, hopefully. And, uh, act, you know, uh, there's another issue of, of Greg Pak's uh, Action Comics coming out next week. We'll see if that continues the strength of the first issue. Um, that was a that was a real, like... Yeah, there's just good stuff. And there's... But, you know, on the whole, it's just not what we're into at the moment. So we don't... Man Unchained is pretty good. Yeah. Right. Des- it, despite Jim Lee. When it comes out. Yeah. You know, it, uh, I mean, the, I admit the biggest thing is that Kevin, if you're enjoying them, then you should read them no matter what we think about them. Yeah. But if you're just hanging on because you think you should read it, that's a bad reason to be doing it. Right. They'll, you, they'll always be there if you want to come back. If you're listening to the show, we'll let you know. We're going to, we're going to be excited if there's a really good DC book again. We're going to tell you about it. And we're looking. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're really, we're doing our damnedest. But I think, as Paul said earlier, I think Arrow is a much better show than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you just I'm, have to really, I'm really excited for the Flash show. Yeah, you have to really like David Goyer if you're going to be into the movies. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> and the animation stuff's still really top-notch. It's top bleak worldview. <laughs> and again, David, so. David Goyer has done some really good comics in the past. Yes. Or been involved yeah. with them, at mm-hmm. least. He did a bit of Starman in the middle. He did the space stuff, I think. I'm not saying he's a bad writer. I'm just saying you have to. He's yeah, no, I know. Putting, from what I read, he's being put in charge of the entire DC movie slate, like Kevin Feige is in charge of Marvel. He's he's made them a lot of money. Yes. So, anyway, I, I think if you like the stuff, read them. No matter what we think, if if you're not happy, you know, take a break for a while. Come back. 
is fair. So um, there you go. Uh, if you want, we ran out of room for any more voicemails, but uh, if you want to write us, it's contact at fanboy.com or you can uh, voicemail us at, is that a verb? You, well, you, you just fucking verb that like some tech. <laughs> wow. Tech I did. I'm shocked at that. I've never done that. It's, I've never heard it. It sounded like completely new. Um, it, you know what they say now? They say inbox me. 888-FANBOYS. Uh, I would literally punch them. Oh, my God. 2697. I would punch them. Yeah. Anybody who says inbox me is basically the same thing as the male neighbor in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> the Todd. modern version of that Todd guy. Todd and Margo. Yeah. Fucking Todd and Margo. <laughs> uh, so let's quickly talk about the Hollywood, Hollywood schedule. The holiday schedule for the rest of the year. We're entering December, final month of the year. I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> Margo. Uh, it always gets a little wonky towards the end of the year. Uh, so let's qu- quickly go over this. So we got... This is episode 14, 414, 415 is next week where we're going to go over the best of the year uh, from, you know, of different categories. 415, uh, 416 will be the week after. That'll be the, we'll go over the picks of the week for the year like we normally would do on the web- website. That'll come out on December 15th and that'll be the final pick of the week show of the year. So December 15th is the final pick of the week podcast. The week after that, the 22nd, will be the year-end all-media show. That we've been doing uh, for the last every year, we've been doing the podcast. We go over all the stuff we've been watching, TV, movie, film, uh, you know, all the stuff that's not comics. And then the week after that, the 29th, we're completely off for the holidays. And we will return on January 5th with episode 417. So the next two, you'll have two more Pick League podcasts over the next two weeks. And then we got the All Media Show, and then we're off. And then we'll be back after the new year. So that's the schedule coming forward. If you're a new listener to the show, you may not know about our sort of wackiness at the end. So that's how it goes. Uh, We'll be, we'll be back to a normal schedule in January. So in the meantime, head over to fanboy.com, comment on this show, and uh, I get, you should probably use it as a way to support Paul in uh, having to deal with whatever he had to deal with and whatever happened in this episode. Um, I apologize. I'm sorry. Tim Stewart. <laughs> Stewart did color that book, though, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm almost sure. Twitter.com uh, slash fanboy, Facebook.com slash fanboy is where you can find out what the pick is before it happens on the, on the episode. I really like Dave Stewart. He's a nice guy. Very nice man. Yeah. You can also email us at contact at fanboy. Uh, like I just said, the voicemail. You could you could uh, voicemail us. That actually works because mail is a verb. Yeah. That's so true. that's true. That's why it doesn't sound entirely entirely wrong. Uh, You've the changed, thing you can say man. about Dave Stewart is he's, you've never looked at him and go, man, he just he phoned this in. No. It's effortless, but it's always perfect. Yes. Um, if you've liked previous episodes of the show, write <laughs> us a review on iTunes. Um, think about those. Um, after, you know, add them up and divide by however many. Um, this is really going to fuck up the curve. Uh, write us a review on iTunes, or better yet, tell your friends about us. Introduce your mom to podcasts. Put it on a you know, little thumb drive and toss that in a stocking and... What the hell is this? Why didn't you get me a gift card? I can't be held responsible for the combination of turkey and allergy medicine. That's whatever's going on here. So, I don't know what Josh's excuse is. I got turkey yesterday and today and then five hours of sleep. Because it's stayed up and then they wake me up. <laughs> I passed out on Thanksgiving at 6 o'clock like somebody injected me with a sedative. Like I was I'm, not on, I'm not on drugs. I have no excuse. <laughs> I don't. I don't blame Dave Stewart for any of this. He's not responsible. I drank bottled water throughout the day. I'm fine. <laughs> Listen, you. I. That's good. I put up the Christmas tree. Down. I have to do I that had tomorrow. A whole day. 
Just like you clowns. I think the most important thing is Josh said is Dave Stewart's not the one to blame for this. No, he's not. I just I just want to make sure that if Dave is listening or or Dave's friends or family are listening, that it's not. Most importantly, if his mom is listening. Because we know his mom's a big fan of the show. Mrs. Stewart, listen. It's not Dave. He's going to shoot one of, one, one of his Eisners out of a t-shirt cannon at you. Hold him out of there. And he wouldn't even notice it's missing. Exactly. <laughs> That's how many Eisners he has. He just has a quiver of Eisners on his and just... <laughs> be awesome. The only way we're going to get one. <laughs> That's the sound of t-shirt cannon. <laughs> this place is lousy with Eisners. <laughs> Somebody, will you please move these Eisners, Mom? <laughs> Dave, we're gonna have to do something about these Eisners. They're ever- Mom, I'm trying to cover. Why are you? Uh... There, I'm done. Wait, wait, hold on. Apparently, I'm getting another Eisner. Come on. Till next week, I'm Connor. I'm Who keeps nominating me for these things? Oh my god, I've had it with you people. I'm I'm spinning off into my own podcast. I'm done. <laughs>